Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So we continue in this sermon series, Faith on Film, and I apologize to those who are worshiping with us through our television or online medium or radio, because for copyright reasons, we actually have to go silent during the showing of the movie clip. So I hope those of you who won't be able to see or hear the movie that I'll show today will find a time to watch the whole movie because it's well worth it. So here are these words as they come to us from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, which is right after Colossians, chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. Encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. So one of the questions that I am asked is really not even a question, honestly, the way it's asked. It's more like a statement that hints on an accusation that's wrapped up in a challenge. People will say when they meet me for the first time, especially if they meet me and find out I am a pastor and they do not go to church, Frequently, they will tell me, well, I have been meaning to go to church, or I used to go to church, or I might go to church. Where is your church? But more often than not, what I hear is, well, you know, pastor, I experience God the most when I am fill in the blank, fishing, golfing. Meditating, reading, cooking, eating, spending time with family, driving in the car, singing loudly to nobody in particular, all of those things. And it's true. There are lots and lots of ways and places and times that we can experience and should experience the power and presence of God in our lives. To have that one-on-one communion, to nurture us in our relationship with God. But implied in that statement is the challenge, so why should I go to church? If I experience God elsewhere, why should I do that whole organized religion thing? In fact, that's usually something I hear as well. Well, I'm spiritual. I just don't believe in organized religion. I heard a lecture one time that said, so if we become disorganized, would you want to come? Thank you for laughing because I thought it was hysterical. So why do we come to church? 
Why is it essential to be a part of a body of faith? It seems to me that the reason we come to church has only a little bit to do with our own relationship with God, as important as that is. But our being a part of the body of Christ is something even more significant and bears more weight than our own relationship with the Lord. Oh, sure, church is a place where we grow and come to understand God better. It's a place where we study and offer ourselves in service. All of those things are true. But I am convinced that God's purpose for church is much more important than that. If you were to go to a wedding, chances are you would hear, if scripture is read, you would hear a famous chapter called the chapter of love. It is written by the Apostle Paul and it is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I read it frequently myself because the lessons we learn from 1 Corinthians 13 certainly have bearing on relationships of every kind, particularly marriage. But the Apostle Paul had not any marriage in mind when he wrote those words. In fact, if we look back at chapter 12 and even before, we realize that the Apostle Paul was writing not about marriage, but about church. And he was saying, this is how God wants us to be in relationship as believers in Jesus Christ. And so even before the chapter on love, chapter 13, we read in chapter 12 what I suspect for many will be a familiar text. Speaking of God giving each one of us unique gifts so that together we create a whole with no one person more valuable than the other, he writes in chapter 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the, again, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. 
But God has so arranged the body, given the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the, have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And then we get the chapter on love. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then down in verse 13, he says, And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And then in Philippians, we're told again by the Apostle Paul, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing and commendable, if there is any excellence in it, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Who are we? We are the group of people who differ from any other group. There are many, many reasons for human beings to flock together. It could be a social reason. It could be a shared hobby or sport or work or guild. It could be family. It can be any of those things that bind us together, all of which can be worthy But I am convinced that the reason that Jesus includes us as one body in Christ is because we are to be something that no other body in the world is. We are to be the ones who behave differently toward each other than the entire world because Jesus says, I want you to love one another. And not just love one another, but encourage one another, build up one another, share one another's burdens, and celebrate with one another's successes. To say to each other, I'm with you. So that we become something unlike any place else. In fact, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, a new commandment that I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And then he says something that just should make our heads snap back. He says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. So often we want to believe that our relationship with God and Jesus Christ is strictly one-on-one. And if we're faithful to him, that's how people know we are believers in Jesus Christ. But that's not what he says. He says, the way other people will know you belong to me is by how you treat each other. To me, in Jesus Christ, God has done something so radical and so new. As you know, if you were Jewish and the relationship with God as God's chosen people, you are Jewish if your mother is Jewish. But to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, has absolutely nothing to do with bloodline. It has to do with our own personal choices and commitments and whether or not we choose to follow Jesus or not. And then Jesus says, and the truth is, I want you to be in relationship with each other, not as much for you as for the unbeliever. Once we know Jesus, of course we come. We come to praise and worship because God expects it. We come to study and to listen because that's how we grow in our faith. We come to encourage one another because what else can we do? But the truth is, God says, if you want to win the heart and the soul of the unbeliever, the best way to do that, the most important way to do that is to set yourself apart. The world tells us when you get mad at one another, behave badly. Look out for number one. The ends justify the means. Jesus says, not in the body of Christ. We love one another in the body of Christ. We encourage one another in the body of Christ. We uplift one another in the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter whether or not we know each other well. We are sisters and brothers. We have a unique calling, a calling to proclaim Jesus Christ who's looking at us and they want to know, does being a part of this group called Trinity United Methodist Church make you any different than the people who don't belong to a family of faith? And clearly it does. So many times I have heard moments of encouragement heard words of love and affection, uplifting, the sharing of burdens. How many times have I seen it when someone is sick, you form a meal train to show up. They have enough food to last a year. That's what it means to be the body of Christ, to behave differently than the world does. I am convinced that coming to church is foremost about building relationships with one another, about forgiving people and loving people who don't love us back, about choosing a different path, about sharing each other's hopes and dreams and joys and bearing one another's burdens and sorrows. 
But I couldn't really figure out a way as much as I talk, and let's be honest, we all know I talk a lot. I couldn't really figure out a way to capture what I'm trying to say. I love to come to church, and I love to come to church because you come to church. I love to be a part of something bigger than who I am, bigger than any one of us individually, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work moving in and among us. And so, as an example, I picked something that has absolutely nothing to do with church at all. I won't lie, it's from my all-time favorite movie we watch at least once a year. It is a true story based on, it involves Charles Howard, Tom Smith, and Johnny Red Pollard. And the other character in this story is a horse named Seabiscuit. You might know that Seabiscuit, as Charles Howard, the owner, said, I've got a horse that's too small, a jockey that's too big, a trainer that's too old, and I'm too dumb to know the difference. A time came during the Great Depression when that tiny horse, Seabiscuit, who had been mistreated as a youngster, went on to beat the world-renowned, ginormous horse, War Admiral. But shortly thereafter, Seabiscuit became significantly injured, and Red Pollard, Johnny Pollard, likewise shattered his leg. And so these two, the horse and the jockey, seemed to be down for the count. But because of the love and encouragement of people who had become for them family, and even the encouragement of 75,000 strangers, they became convinced that the one race that Seabiscuit ever lost at Santa Anita might be exactly the place for him and Red to seek redemption. We already know we have the greatest cheerleader ever in Jesus Christ our Lord. We already know that with Christ for us, who can stand against us? We already know that Christ says with me and with you, we can do anything. To me, church is the place where we come to celebrate. It's the place where we come to say we have victory in Jesus Christ. It's a place where we come to say to the world, you don't have to be alone You don't have to feel unwanted. You don't have to feel a failure. You don't have to feel like you are not a part of a winning community that will love and accept you. That's what church is a place where Jesus Christ says, love one another. And in so doing, you become the body of Christ. 
So I don't know about you, but I love church. I love church. And your being here matters a great deal more than you think. And if you agree, say amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.